On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, they've always got the good oil, pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Welcome to Sky Sports Radio and uh, our favourite, one of my favourite um, uh, segments of the week, of course, Monday's Experts. And if you're listening to this live on the Sky Racing Radio Network across New South Wales or via the Tab app, hello to you. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, welcome aboard. David Payne is a gentleman who we've spoken to plenty of times when it comes to his chances, of course, uh, his great man, Montefilia. But we thought, what an opportunity to chat with David about the story behind his name, and he joins us now on Monday's Experts. Good morning, David. Good day, Dave. How are you? Great. To, well, I'm great, mate, um, and I hope you're well as well. It's it's great yeah. to, to to chat with you, and I'm looking forward to chatting about uh, your life. Uh, you've been in Australia a, a little while now, but let's go right back to, to where it all began. Where were you born? Uh, obviously, we know you're a native South African, but what part of South Africa were you born in? Uh, Durban, uh, Dave. In uh, 1948. 1948. What was uh, what was it like growing up in Durban in 1948? Oh no, it was a great uh, great place to grow up. Yeah, no, we had a lot of fun. You know, the beach and uh, sports. Uh, no, no, it was a great place to have your childhood. Yeah, growing up in Durban, was there horse racing in the family? Were you around horses, or was it uh, more? Rugby, football. What was what was it like in the Payne household? Uh, uh, no, I was a, more of a football freak, uh, soccer. And uh, but what? Uh, you know, I'm one of ten children, so wow. We, ne- we 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 weren't so flash with the money, so we had to walk to school. And <laughs> uh, it was about a five k walk every morning, my brothers and I. But uh, we used to walk past Gravel Racecourse. And, uh, you know, there used to be meetings on a sort of a Wednesday, so we used to stop and watch and, you know, thought, gee, this looks all right. So I planned to be a jockey, and that's how it all started. We're chatting with David Payne this morning on Monday's Experts. So you're, you're walking to school, you're walking past Grayville Racecourse. What was it about the horse or what was it about what you were watching that captivated you so much? Oh, no, it just looks so exciting, you know, the uh, the speed of the horse and, you know, and being small, I thought, gee, well, this, this is an opportunity, you know, to try and become a jockey. And my parents were not happy, but anyway, they let me have my way. What about becoming a jockey? Uh, your size, uh, and you, you're obviously playing football at the time, so did you find that uh, when you inquired, because they had the academy there in South Africa, didn't they? That's right, John. You, you, you had to go and uh, meet the... Uh, the uh, panel and they had to measure you and see if you were going to grow. But I was very small at that at that time. I was really a little little bloke for my age. And when you went through the academy, what was that like in South Africa? Oh no, that was a, a you know great place to be. But I, but I must tell you, I was nearly uh, I never really I, I nearly. Never made it because uh, I ran away from the academy. I thought, no, it's not for me. Oh. Uh, being uh, homesick. Uh, <laughs> so I was there about six months. I said, no, I'm out of here. So, okay. And, uh, so the, acad- the, the academy's yeah. not in Durban? No, no, no. It was in a place called Pine Town. Yep. So it was quite quite a way away. 
and uh, I knew how I left. And uh, the chief steward, he phoned my dad. He said, no, look, we want David back because we think he's got potential. So they took me back, and uh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Your parents at the time, uh, David, were they um, were they sort of, you know, like, like we all want the best for our kids and we want them to achieve whatever they want to achieve. Were they sort of maybe going along with it at the time, going, righto, well, you want to be a jockey or you want to go down this path, we'll, we'll support you. But were they sort of thinking maybe in the back of their mind, well, he'll be back and he'll be doing, you know, X, Y, Z? Uh, look, they weren't keen, uh, to, to be honest. You know, they said, are oh, you crazy? You know, go get an education. And uh, But anyway, uh, it, I ended up being a jockey, so... It turned okay for me, thank goodness. What was it like uh, jumping on uh, the horse for that first time? Oh, well, I've, ne- I've never been on a horse in my life. You know, I was 15 years old. And uh, as that, in, in those days, it was quite a rough and ready place, the academy. You know, you had to go through initiation. And so what they did, uh, the senior boys, they, there's no saddle on a horse. They said, come on, jump up, back of us. So... There were two on a horse, you you sitting at the back of the senior rider, and off you go, no saddle. <laughs> and you're going in our tent, and they just flip you off. <laughs> so, I mean, you you learned the hard way. I mean, you had to be tough. Gee, you were good. David, I, I must ask, uh, riding in that part of the world, but we... We've got a certain style here in Australia, but South Africa seems like a bit of a melting pot because there's, it seems like, you know, some riders there will ride uh, a little bit Aussie, some will ride, uh, you know, a little bit European. When you were learning to ride, who were you learning from? Uh, You know, he was an ex-Aussie expat called uh, Arthur Gorton, so you would know the Gorton family, yeah? Yes. I would think, and he, he, he taught us. But I used to try copy. Uh, there was a very good jockey called Tiger Art. I, I still think he's one of the best jockeys I've ever seen. And we, you know, you try and model yourself on 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 a bloke like him. So that's that's what I, I try to do. Three hundred and ninety nine winners as a jockey you rode. You just missed out on the four hundred. Yeah, well, I got too heavy. You know, yeah. I was uh, leading apprentice twice, and then I came out of my time. Natural, had the whole world at my feet because I was doing so well. And within two years, I was out the game. You know, I was uh, looking to train because, and, and I was leading jockey twice. So, you know, I just grew and I got heavy. So that, that's when I decided to go and train. And when, uh, as, as a jockey in South Africa, I mean, we have obviously systems here in place in Australia with young apprentices and young riders, and it's it can be quite a rewarding financially um, job? Uh, was it the same for you in, in South Africa? I mean, you're riding a lot of winners where uh, I'm presuming, I mean, prize money is at the time in South Africa would not have been what prize money is here in Australia, but oh, were you comfortable? Uh, look, uh, yes, you know, no, look, the, in, in those days it, it wasn't much stake money, but then money would go a long, uh, a long way. So, you know, that no, was a good living for sure. Fantastic. David Payne joining us this morning on Monday's Experts. The transition from riding to training, how difficult was that for you? And obviously your understanding of the horse must must be exceptional. Well, what happened was, Dave, I, I was leading rider, so you, you're riding for some big owners. And they said to me, look, don't worry, 
when you become a trainer, we'll support you. So I said, well, that's for me, you know. So I gave up riding because of my weight, and I went to them, approached them off horses, and they all declined. So I had to go ride again. <laughs> so you had to start again. How many stables How many stables did you have at the time that you had to fill? Uh, no, what happened was uh, I, I, I gave up riding, and they, I, I was promised horses, and they, and they declined on me. So I went and rode again, and I rode a winner for an old uh, owner called Norman Ferguson, and his son said to me, oh, we believe you want to train because our trainer is dying of cancer. He had terminal cancer. And we'll speak to my father and uh, see if he'll give you a go. So I went to meet him and he said, nah, you're too young. You go work for somebody and then I'll, you know, you can, I'll, I'll give you the horses. So I said, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'd rather go ride again. And then about two weeks later, they phoned me up and said, look, come and see us. And, uh, they made me their private trainer. What was it like and, being a, a private trainer to start with? Well, we only had 12 horses, uh, but I was as keen as anything. Because I, had a, I had a very good boss called Herman Brown who taught me a lot, and I was just keen on training. And when I applied for my license, they said I was too young as well. I was only just you know, 23 or 24, I think. And they said, no, you're too young. You've got no experience. But... Uh, they offered me a job as a staff Henry Stewart. They said, rather take, you know, the, the, the job as a staff. So I said, no, I want to be a trainer. So they said, well, go and try it. And if you're not happy, you can come back and, you know, be a steward. And, uh, but I was fortunate. This little string, my first runner won. It was called Early Bid. And in that string, there was only 12 horses, was was going to be the best horse in South Africa at the time, about two, a couple of years later. It was a, two, a, a two-year-old, and he ended up uh, one of the greatest horses ever to race in South Africa. So That's extraordinary. Started off with a bang. Yeah, yeah that's extraordinary. Um, obviously, riding the horse. Talk to me about um, uh, the understanding of a good horse when you ride it. I'm, I'm fascinated by this because, obviously, as a jockey, you can experience a good horse underneath you. And no, you know, sort of um, yeah. idiosyncrasies about horses as you ride them, compared to standing beside them and watching them through the binoculars. What, what uh, you know? What, what are you looking you know, for? Oh, look, uh, Dave. You uh, you know, you can jump on a horse, and most most of them just feel ordinary. Uh, and then I've driven some very very good horses as a jockey because you know you get the better rides, whatever. And when I took over the string for this bloke, Ferguson, and I got on this little two-year-old. Geez, I got on. I said, gee, this is not bad. So I phoned him up. I said, this is a champion. So he said to me, my boy, I've heard that many times. He said, uh, <laughs> so I said, well, I'll go and gallop him for you. Why don't you come and watch him gallop and you can time him. So we took him to Gravel Racecourse, put him in a float. I, I was riding him, uh, and, I, and he was going to time him, the old bloke. Anyway, he calmed him, and when I got off, he said, son, you just keep your mouth shut now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, he, that wasn't full flight. He won his first start. He won a lot of money on him, and uh, he just went from strength to strength. So, mm. I mean, he was just a free course, absolute free. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll get into to full flight 
in a second. But South Africa back in the day, much maybe like here in Australia, I mean, now it's probably quite difficult to to pull off a, a plunge, so to speak. Um, you know, there's eyes everywhere and you probably can't get as much on today as you can back in the day. And we hear those stories. Is it this? Was it the same in South Africa in terms of you know if you if you had a good one you could uh, you could hide it and produce it and and win a lot of rand? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know in those days we well well they still haven't got barrier trials, so you you know, and then especially I was riding horse every day, so the only I knew and and there was a an Aussie jockey over there called uh, George Davies. He was from Perth and he was a mate of mine. And I said to him, "You can ride the horse in the race." And uh, you know we 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 just kept quiet about it. We nominated him, and uh, he, he drew uh, an ordinary barrier, but we knew how good he was. And uh, so you know it, 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 it won, and uh, so yeah, it's history. So you know it just kept on winning. He was a he was a great horse. Yeah, I think he had. Uh, I read a little bit about him. So he nineteen starts between two and four years of age, sixteen wins. He won the Champion Stakes over 2,000 at Greyville, the Queen's Plate, Kenilworth, that's over a mile. So he was sort of yeah. the, he was that sort of middle distance horse, wasn't he? Yeah, he was more of a 1,600-metre horse, but his class won him the, you know, the, the, the July, which was over 2-2. Two, two. But he, if, if I used to nominate him with the best sprinters that wait for age, and, and that was his first run back, and he used to win pulling up. That's how, that's how good he was. 1,000-metre, 1,200-metre. 1600 meter, it was just a freak. Mm. Is he the best horse you've trained? Oh, by far. Yeah. By far. And yeah. I've had a lot of good horses. I've had a lot of good horses in Australia, and they, they wouldn't compare with him. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, he was, uh, I read this actually on your website last night. He was a son of a horse called New South Wales. Now, can you believe that? So the sire. The sire of your horse, Full Flight, New South Wales, and and you landed here in New South Wales. Before we get to that trip, just um, your stats, because I think they're fantastic. You obviously were the champion national apprentice in South Africa in 68 and 69. Uh, You were also the trainer of the year, and you have been champion South African trainer twice. Um, Just on South African training at the time, I mean, you, you, you were around some pretty big names, and, and there's a lot of family history over there, not so much... In the on the pain side of things, but a lot of those trainers have come through the ranks, and I mean it's difficult to to, to jump into an environment like that. And you did it, and you achieved it. Yeah, uh, look, I was uh, I was lucky. I started off well with it was like in full flight, and uh, and and I had a very good boss that taught me. You know, he he, he was. We ended up. I ended up winning the uh, provincial title twenty three times. And and he wanted, uh, you know, after me a few times. So I took over from him. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he really taught taught me a lot about training horses. The move you made in two thousand and two, and we're chatting with David Payne this morning on Monday's Experts here on Sky Sports Radio. And if you're listening on the podcast, I hope you're enjoying it so far. You moved over in two thousand and two, and there was a lot of political unrest, as we know, in. Um, in South Africa and that situation which was unfolding and you just decided that you wanted to bring your wife and your two children uh, to Oz. Why Sydney? Well, I used to go to New Zealand to buy horses in the 70s and uh, I used to stop over in, 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 in Sydney 
because they had mates here that had emigrated. And they used to say to me, why don't you come here? Why don't you come? And I said, no, I'm comfortable in South Africa. You know, we, we had a big string. We were doing well. Everything was fine. But uh, then the kids started getting, getting in my ear, you know, Dad, we got to leave. we got to leave. And that's when I made the move at 54 years old. So it wasn't easy. <laughs> you know, we, we were giving up a, a, a big string, and we were on top of the world there. And we decided, uh, look, I'll take the plunge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously, yeah. Sydney, Sydney, just you, you you felt right at home here? Yeah, well, what happened, when we applied for uh, to emigrate, you know, you put your papers in, you go to an agent, and they said, no, you're too old. So I said, oh, well, that's, that's fine. You know, I don't have to go now. But they said, look, maybe we can get you in on a special talent uh, visa. And there were 14 available. And if, if you can believe it, there were professors and scientists. <laughs> and I was a racehorse trainer, and I got in on, on my record. Fantastic. Uh, there you go. Was for, so I was fortunate, yeah. How difficult was it starting that stable from scratch here in Sydney? Well, you know, people think I just got you and started off. I never worked for six months. I couldn't get stables, couldn't get horses. And I kept going uh, to uh, Tony King at AJC. And, and they say, no, nah, sorry, no, nah, sorry. And Wayne Aldridge is a good mate of mine. He, he used to work for Eng- English Insurance. He said to me, look, I know Treve Williams who's the chairman of AJC, I'll set up a meeting. You can have lunch with him. So anyway, we had lunch with Treve, and he said, oh, well, look, well, we'll have another lunch with a few more committee members. And uh, after a couple of lunches, they said, right, we'll, you know, we'll give you some boxes. They gave me 25 boxes, but, but I had no horses. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I had one horse that was coming from Singapore, a filly called Huberg. Mm-hmm. She was a bloke called one of my clients in South Africa said, we'll race a jail with you. And she's a filly that ran second to Lonro in the one of the big races here when, when we eventually got going. So that's the story. I had no horses to start and then slowly started building up with uh, provincial horses. And that's how it started. So after six months, we slowly built up and then... Then James Bester, who said, uh, there's a, a filly I bought for a bloke called John Camilleri, and he wants to raise it in Melbourne. He said, I'll speak to him and see if he'll give it to you. So James set up a meeting with John, and John said, oh, tell him to come and have a coffee with me. So I went and had a coffee with John Camilleri, and we had a chat, and he said, all right, you can have the filly. And that was unearthly. Yeah. Won, won the flight stakes, and. That led to his cousin, John Cordina. He gave me some horses, and then the ball started rolling. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's how it goes. You had the horses like Criterion, Rock Hero, a Gallant Test, Centennial Park. Um, uh, I, I want to ask you about Criterion. He was a marvel. Now looking back at what we know, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But what that horse did and achieved, really, in his career, I mean... Um, what a marvelous racehorse! Um, you know, yes. doing what he did as a youngster over a short distance, uh, and and then doing obviously uh, what he did as an older horse over a longer distance. Uh, pretty special stuff to run third in the Melbourne Cup. What what what's, what was it? he ran third in the Melbourne Cup? He wins a Black Opal. 
Um, he wins a Todman. Yeah, Todman, yeah. You know, uh, run, he, he, yeah, extraordinary. Yeah, the, the, the Rose Guineas. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, it wasn't easy. <laughs> Sir Owen Glenn? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I only had the one horse for him, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's funny, though, you say that. I mean, it, it, that's just part of the... That's part of the game, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Being a trainer, and I mean, at the end of the day, you're dealing with you're dealing with owners uh, like Sir Owen, who's I think he's the richest man in in New Zealand. Yep. Um, I must admit, if I was the richest man in New Zealand and I had uh, I had a horse, I think I'd be on the phone. I think it's it becomes their just obsession, doesn't it? They love it. Yeah, I don't know why he left it. To be honest, because uh, you know. I mean, what more can you do for somebody? Mm. All those races, with you know, when he, he phoned me up to give me the horse, and uh, you know, he, he said he wanted to win the Golden Slipper with it, but uh, ended up uh, with more of a middle distance horse. Yeah, but yeah, but anyway, that was his uh, decision. Well, you still had some fun with him, at least. You won a what a derby with him. Uh, you won, uh, yeah, Rose Guineas. Yeah. Todman, Black Opal, and look, he was very unlucky in the Cox Plate, James McDonald yes. for me. And that's when I lost horse after that. He missed the break and got into a lot of trouble, and he got beat up at a length and a half by Adelaide. Yeah, that's right. That was that blanket yeah. finish where yeah. Adelaide swooped down the outside. That's right. Yeah, and then the next day I got a phone call to say, oh, look, can you send that horse to David, David Hayes? David Hayes, I said, okay. I mean, <laughs> as, as a trainer, I mean, that's not probably going to be the first or last time that happens to you, and it, um, and it won't be the first or last time it happens to a young trainer that's listening to this. I mean, that is that is the game. What do you do? I mean, maybe a young David Payne might have reacted a lot differently, but what does a David Payne now, who's a bit older and wiser, how does he react to that? Oh, no, look, uh, I said, no, that's fine. I said, you know, then I, you, you, you always sit back and say, look, I was lucky to have had the horse. You know, he won me all those races, so good good luck to him. Let him move on. Yep. So, yeah. no, no you, yeah, you, you don't hold grudges. You no. Carry on, yeah. Exactly. You know what? Dave, one door closes, then you end up with another good horse, you know. Exactly right. You always, and, along, yeah. and then, obviously, you've got... Now, Montefilia, who's flying the flag uh, for you, and she is ticking over lovely, isn't she, when it comes to a, yeah, yeah. To a Melbourne Cup? Yeah, she's well. She's really... Yeah, she, she'll run on Saturday in the All Stakes, and, and at this stage, she, she's on target for everything. Yeah. She's happy with her, yeah. Is she the type of horse that uh, just will continue to get better as she gets older? Yeah, definitely. You know, she's matured now. She's a much better filly than she was last year, mm. much stronger. No, she's nice and round. Put the weight on the muscles there. So no, I think we did the right thing by putting the plug after the Caulfield Cup. I think we would have uh, given her a setback if, if we ran her in the Melbourne Cup, but it would have been the wrong decision. Yeah, it's pretty special. And I mean, you know that she she what wins at Metropolitan last year, and then her win this year in that Ranvit, defeating Very Elegant. Uh, that, that's probably, that's probably for mine, what, that's, that's her peak performance, her best performance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. To be a uh, filly like that, I mean, she, she'd already won the Melbourne Cup, the Caulfield Cup. Uh, it was special that day. It was. What's been your best day at the races? Uh, I think maybe that day, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we went and thinking we could win. 
you know, I know people uh, didn't give her much chance, but I said to the owners, I said, don't worry. Don't think she's just going for a run. Yeah. And knock this filly off. And uh, anyway, it came right. What about acquiring new horses and new new talent? Is that is that getting easier or difficult now? Uh, that's difficult because, uh, you know, when you get older, they don't really want you. So you've got to go find them yourself. Yeah. I've been fortunate. I found Ace High, you know, with no buyer. I went to buy him. And then John Cordina took him off me. And with Montefilio, they said, uh, you got a 100 to spend. We want a, an a, Oaks filly. And, you know, I said, all right. So we went looking, but they had her on the, on, on the list. So I looked at her and I said, this is a filly you've you got to buy. And uh, I bought it for 130 And they said, oh, you've overpaid. Oh, I said, don't worry. I'll put it together. And they said, no, we'll take her. <laughs> so that's my Extraordinary. Yeah. Extraordinary, David. What about uh, the future? Uh, what what do you what do you, is it? What do you still want to achieve uh, as a trainer? And and what's your plan? Are you just going to continue to training for as as long as you can train winners? Yeah, look, I enjoy it. I love the horses, and uh, my my ambition is to win maybe the Melbourne Cup. You know, I'd love to have a crack at it. Uh, so we will, you know, that's the path, and maybe a slipper. I know I'm running out of time, but, uh, you know, this game, you never know. You certainly don't. Yeah. You certainly don't. What would, an, uh, before I wrap it up, what would a David Payne, an old David Payne, or current David Payne, say to that young man who was going into the stewards to in South Africa to try and get that trainer's licence, or, or just a young David Payne in general? What advice would he give you? Or give him? Uh, look, I think if you want to be a trainer, you've got to be it's 24-7 and you've got to be there most of the day to, you know, because your horses, with, with your eye, you'll see them. You know, they, they become part of the family and uh, you'll pick up things if, you know, if, if you, uh, you know, if you've got that eye. And I think training is really all about the eye. You know, you can to do what you like. Uh, you can educate people, but if they haven't got it, they haven't got it. It's been a pleasure talking to you this morning. You've had a fantastic career. It's going to continue. I'm excited to see what this mare can do for you this spring, Montefilia, and also the other uh, horses you've got in your stable there. You never do know what is around the corner, do you? That's right. Yeah, one door closes, another one opens, Dave. Exactly right, mate. Th- yep. Thanks so much for having a chat, mate. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. All the best. Thanks for having me.